Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Like, I just want you to get it. I just want to shake you, you know, so you get it. Like, just, and they just don't want to hear what you have to say. What they do with the seed that gets planted is none of your business. It's not your business. Your business is to plant the seed. That's it. Toss out the seed. Toss out the gospel. Share the gospel with anybody and everybody. And whatever the Lord wants to do with that is totally up to him. What would you say your favorite movie of all time is? Do you remember the reaction you had after you watched it? When we see a movie that we really like, we often tell everyone else about it. In today's message, Pastor James says we should share the gospel with everyone just like we'd talk about that favorite movie. The gospel is exciting and worthy of being communicated. Pastor James reminds us that after you talk about the gospel message, it's up to God. Therefore, the pressure is off of you. Now turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. As Pastor James continues his message, Heroes of the Faith, Noah. We need bread for the broken, give some bread to the broken. We need hope for the hopeless, give some hope to the hopeless, hopeless. Bread for the broken, broken. He walked in close fellowship with God. I can tell you what that did not look like for Noah, and this might help you out. Uh, What that did not look like for him was he did not have a checklist next to his Bible so he could check off all the days where he read from his Bible. Okay? That's not what that's talking about. Okay? That's good if you need that. If you need that accountability, that's perfect. But when the checklist becomes the thing, you need to throw the checklist away because that's not the relationship. That's actually a detractor from the relationship. What he had was just a natural relationship with the living God, where he walked with him. And he made himself available to hear from God. Lord, what do you have for me today? I want you to build a boat. What's a boat? I'll tell you. I'll tell you later, okay? It's going to rain. What's rain? Don't worry about it. Just build a boat, okay? Hey, make it for your family. I don't have a family. You're going to have a family. Don't worry about it. Just build the boat, right? He calls him to do this crazy, bold thing, but he's one that the Lord, he's the one the Lord had. What's kind of cool about this as well, and and you guys may appreciate this later on, especially if you go on to serve within ministry, roles within ministry, you run with the remnant, okay? And and I've learned that. I actually... Uh, heard that from somebody when I was at a, I was a youth pastor for several years, and I was at a conference, and, and I heard somebody talking about that, of like, you know, if we get so focused on the numbers, and who's here, who's not here, and why aren't they showing up anymore, and all that stuff, and the speaker said, no, you run with the remnant, you run with who you have, you run with who the Lord has placed within your life, and God himself is like, I got Noah, that's all I need, I got Noah, that's all I need, and so, There's God, there's Noah, Mrs. Noah. She's a part of the story, but we don't know anything about her other than she had some babies with Noah. That's that's the extent of of what we know about her. I'm sure she was an amazing woman because her husband is crazy. And he's like, I got to build a boat. And you know, Mrs. Noah's like, what's a boat? And he's like, I don't know. Here's the plans. 
But she was with him, I'm sure, in all of it. But he was the only blameless one living on the earth at that time. He walked in close fellowship with God. Noah was the father of three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Uh, it says, God saw that the earth had become corrupt and was filled with violence. God observed all this corruption in the world, for everyone on earth was corrupt. So God said to Noah, I've decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood or gopher wood, yours may say, right? And waterproof it or seal it or preserve it or maybe another word for that is kind of redeem it, so to speak. Cover this thing with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long. That's a football field and a half long. That's huge. Up until like 1801, this was the largest boat made, right? This is crazy. 75 feet wide, that's um, seven parking spaces wide. So you can go outside afterwards and walk that off and be like, yeah, it's pretty wide. It's a big boat. And 45 feet tall or high. Leave an 18-inch window or opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Why? Because animals, that's why. I mean, they stink. That's the grace of God within the the boat of of Noah. It's like, I'm going to, yeah, make a window. Uh, You'll need it. All the way around the boat, put the door on the inside and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Verse 17, look, I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confer my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you, your wife, and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, male and female, into the boat with you and keep them alive during the flood, pairs of every kind of bird, every kind of animal, every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. That's kind of a cool thing. That's a miracle in and of itself. God had the animals come to Noah. He didn't have to go, you know, lasso them. They just came to him and they, they knew. Animals know God is number one. Birds know God will provide for them. That's, that's what Jesus said in the gospels. Birds don't stress. Like they just never stress. They never worry about anything because God provides for them. But he also talks to these animals and is like, get to the boat. And the animals are like, cool, let's go. Like, what's a boat? Nobody knows. Nobody knows at all in this story. But Noah was obedient and the animals were obedient, right? He says, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah, verse 22, did everything exactly as God had commanded him. No objections. At least none that are recorded. No, there's no like interaction between Moses, Moses, Noah, we'll get to Moses later. Um, he's not yet. Uh, Noah and God, where Noah's like, okay, God, here's what I need. I need clarification. What's rain? What's boat? Animals? Like, I'm not like, I'm not a zoologist, right? Like, that's not me. There's just submission. Perfect submission. Complete obedience. What God desires most obedience. Just do what he says. You can have questions. He doesn't like, it's not that he doesn't want you to ask him any questions. I think God welcomes our questions, but before the questions has to come the obedience. Yes, Lord, I will do that. Can you explain to me what that means? Like why? You know, God gave Noah the plans and all that good stuff for the boat. And from what we can gather from this story, and it's going to say it again in chapter 7, Noah did everything that the Lord had commanded him. 
He just did it. He just did it. He took a step of faith and he did it. He was a righteous man. He walked closely with God. And when God spoke and when God commanded, Noah just did it. He did it. Even if it didn't make sense, he just did it. And again, I think that's kind of where you guys are at. I mean, somehow the Lord brought you to New Mexico, right? And in different ways, in different maybe interactions with other people who had already been there or are presently there. But you heard the Lord say, go to New Mexico. And then you're going to go to New Mexico. Then you're going to go to Uganda. And then, well, what's next, Lord? Don't worry about what's next. Worry about today. Not like worry about it, but just like focus in on today. Because this is the day that you have. This is the day that he's made. So you're doing this. You should be encouraged by that. You're stepping out there. You're doing this. And sometimes we, we're, you know, our, our worst enemies, we're our own critics, and we feel like, I'm not doing it. What am I doing for the Lord? Well, you're here. You're on the journey. So thank you for being obedient. Thank you for hearing him say, go. And you're doing that. And let that motivate you for the rest of your life. And there's going to be times that come within your life. I'm sure Noah, like, I mean, he finished the boat when he was 600 years old. Took him 120 years to build this thing. I'm sure halfway through that, he's like, what am I doing? Because everybody who's walking by in Noah's neighborhood, his suburban neighborhood or whatever, is like, what are you doing? Building a boat. What's a boat? Don't ask. I don't know. It's going to rain. What's rain? I don't know. God told me to. Who's God? You can't forget, that's the culture he lived in. God told me to do this. Who's God? What God? What God? As you go out and share the gospel with people, what God are you representing? What God are you talking about? Because we don't, I know people say America's a Christian nation. It's not really a Christian nation, guys. It may have been founded that way, but that's not who we are anymore as a nation. People need to hear about, they need to hear about Jesus. They need to hear about this Jesus who spoke directly to your heart and said, okay, it's time to go. It's time to go. People want to hear that. People are desperate for hope. The reason why we have some of the issues we have within our world is because people are desperately searching out hope and relevancy and reason for their existence. You have it. You have that. You have the hammer. You have the nail, so to speak. And as Moses was constructing that boat, the sad thing about that, he's a preacher of righteousness. He's like, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't make it in our world today, in our Christian culture today. He's a failure, if you think about it. He served God faithfully, faithfully for 120 years building a boat, and only his family got on it. He's a failure in ministry by today's standards. Nobody's given Noah a book deal. Be like, are you crazy? That guy who built a boat? How many people did he save? Just his family? Not worth our time. But it doesn't matter about any of that stuff, man. He was seen by God. And then Jesus himself, you can turn over to Matthew 24. Look at Mar- uh, Matthew 24. I sometimes combine my words because I talk fast. Verse 37, chapter 24. This is what Jesus had to say about Noah, who's not a mythical you know, figure. 
He's not like some made up story, you know, to keep you, you know, on the straight and narrow or anything like that. He's a real person. And Jesus talked about him as if he was a real person. Okay. Because I know there's a lot of ideas that are out there right now, of like Noah, Noah's Ark, it's just totally implausible. Like there's, there's no way. Global flood, there's no way. There's some evidence that would suggest that there was a global flood. And I get it where some scientists come through and all that kind of stuff. All I'm saying is I could go to South Dakota and find more shark's teeth than I find on Galveston Beach. How'd they get there? That's all I like. How'd they get all the way up there? I've yet to find one on the beach here in Galveston. But all I gotta do is hop on a plane and I can walk through a field covered with them in South Dakota. Anyways, how'd they get there? Shark farm, I guess. Uh, Somebody raised them in South Dakota. Saltwater sharks in South Dakota. Yeah, it makes sense. Verse 37, though, 24, uh, chapter 24 of Matthew. When the Son of Man returns, Jesus is talking about himself, it will be like in the days of Noah. So remember, we just read through that, what it was like in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up until the time Noah entered his boat. So that gives you a really good snapshot of what was going on. Jesus actually provides more details uh, because he's the author of all scripture, And he was present. He knows he exists from eternity. He knew exactly what was happening in Noah's day. And so he can bring even more details to the surface, so to speak, saying, yeah, they were just having, they were partying all the time. They were being, getting married and all that good stuff. And all up until the time Noah entered the boat, people didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. That is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. So Noah had a message from God. Not only did he have like a practical, very visual message concerning the boat, which is gigantic, but he was also a preacher, a herald of righteousness, meaning he was communicating to people verbally, destruction is coming. Rain is coming. A flood is coming. And it tells you right there that nobody cared about his message. They just wanted to live their lives. And that's fine. That's their choice. But it doesn't change the result. Destruction is still coming. And we are on this side of it where there's not going to be another flood. But destruction is coming. Jesus is coming back. And I know it can be disappointing. I know it can be frustrating. It can be discouraging when you're out there and you care about people. You're like, I just want you to get it. I just want to shake you, you know, so you get it. Like, just, and they just don't want to hear what you have to say. What they do with the seed that gets planted is none of your business. It's not your business. Your business is to plant the seed. That's it. Toss out the seed, toss out the gospel, share the gospel with anybody and everybody. And whatever the Lord wants to do with that is totally up to him. It's totally up to him. But I hope that we're motivated like Noah, who is, he heard from the Lord, he answered that call. And man, he, he had just that, such a relationship with the Lord where he's like, I'm going to look like an idiot, but okay. Because this is what God's called me to do. It's not going to make me popular with all my neighbors, but this is what God's called me to do. So I'm going to answer that call. I'm going to do it, whatever the cost may be.
And he ended up in a boat with his family, with all those animals. And can you imagine what that was like? I mean, just to put some realness to the story, God was the one who sealed them inside the ark, too, just so you understand that, because it was sealed from the inside and from the outside, meaning God had to be the one who sealed them, kind of. And that's where you get that word, almost like redeeming them in one sense. But it was God who had to do that. But as the rain is falling and the water levels are rising, I mean, what's humanity going to be doing? They want to be saved, but the moment is too late. It's too late. So just again, to add some, a little bit of heart, I've always tell our guys all the time, what I want to do, I want to hear the heartbeat behind every story. I want to hear the Lord's heartbeat behind every story from this book. And then I can't help but think of that Noah's Ark where they're safe and secure inside the boat, but the reality is people on the outside and it's just too late because they're banging on the sides of the boat. But there's nothing. Noah did all he could do. The salvation of their souls was never up to Noah. He just had to communicate what God told him to communicate. Whether people want to get in the boat or not was solely up to the people. The boat was big enough to house tons of people, tons of people. There was more than enough room on the boat for all the animals that they took in, because that's one of those things where it's like, you know, how did they get all these animals on the boat and all this stuff? Well, I don't know. Animals have babies. You can take small animals. Um, The question is about dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are lizards, right? We know that. Like, take two lizards, and you got dinosaurs. Dinosaur just means it's a King James word from the 1800s that means terrible lizard, right? Or is that Tyrannosaurus rex? That's probably Tyrannosaurus rex. Dinosaur is a made-up term. It's a lizard. So there's plenty of space on the boat for all kinds of animals. But there was a lot of space that was left vacant that was intended for people, what was available for people. But they didn't want to get on the boat. They didn't want to get on the boat. Noah stayed faithful to the end, hopped on the boat, was saved. Rains came, 40 days, 40 nights, all that good stuff. Mountaintops were covered with water, the destruction. And then, you know, eventually the boat settles down. You got to get out of the boat. You got to get out of the boat. And then you're, you're also witnessing tragedy. You're witnessing tragedy as well by people's decisions and all that good stuff. So there's a lot of heart behind that story. But here's what's kind of cool about that. Noah was faithful to God and answered that call. You are faithful to the Lord. Answer that call. And I know it's going to come with heavy burdens and heartache. It just is. It's going to come with heartache, right? Not all stories are going to be awesome and amazing stories. Throughout this journey, I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, 20 years, and I have tons of victory-type stories of serving Jesus, but I also have a whole lot of heartbreak in serving Jesus, whether that's people seemingly following Jesus and then completely rejecting him and walking away, or people just flat out rejecting that completely and then passing away, or the ones who pass away that the Holy Spirit had put on my heart to share with them, and I, and I told him no. I mean, there's tons of stories like that, guys. And it's just ministry. That's what you walk through. But man, I praise the Lord that he's so gentle, he's so gracious, he's so compassionate towards us who are just simply trying to, I just want to, I just want to be available to you, Lord. I just want to be available to you. You tell me to build a boat, I'll build a boat. And that's just it. 
for my family and I, we moved down to Galveston seven years ago. And for us, our building a boat, so to speak, is this. It's this. The Lord called us from Amarillo, Texas, where we lived and served at the church there for 13 years, I believe it was. And the Lord said, one day, go to Galveston. I love Galveston. See, I grew up high, junior high and high school about an hour west of here, and I had always had a desire to come back because I was a different person when I lived down here. I didn't know the Lord at all. And I still got a lot of friends that I absolutely love and care about so much, and I just want them to see the new James, right? Like Christ follower James, which they still to this day are so amazed and surprised that I'm doing what I'm doing. So for me, it was always like, man, if we can ever get back there, that'd be awesome. That'd be amazing. Back down to this area and all that good stuff. Well, that day came, and he spoke to my heart, but he also spoke to my wife separately from each other, because I knew, like, Lord, if you want this to happen, you're going to have to tell her yourself, because she likes staying. She's all, you know, she's, she's got an amazing relationship with the Lord. I'm kind of the, like, an adventure. Sweet. Yeah, let's do it, right? Let's go for it. My wife's like, we have four kids, and where are we going to live? And we don't know anybody in Galveston, but the Lord spoke to her directly and told her. And then we came together and we're like, hey, Lord. She's like, I know, and you know, all that cool stuff. But the reality was, we had to leave everything behind. And we didn't take anybody with us. Because they all said, no. Um, they were like, hey, you want to come to Galveston? No, we don't want to go to Galveston. You guys are crazy. Yeah, we are. Uh, we sold everything, just everything, so that we could come down here. And not knowing anybody, and of course, the Lord's so faithful and you always have family. In the body of Christ, you always have family anywhere you go. That's just reality. But that was it, man. That's, this, is, this was our stepping out and saying, doesn't make a lot of sense. We don't know how it's going to work out. We don't have all the answers to the questions. But what we do know is this is what the Lord is calling us to do. So we got to go. We got to go. And he is faithful. And every step of the way, he, he's proven himself faithful for you guys. And just like with Noah and his story, for you guys, every step of the way, he will be faithful to you. Even when it seems like he's forgotten you and he stopped talking to you and he is distant and he's not even listening to you anymore, he's still there. He's still there. And he cares about you guys. And he's searching this planet still in the midst of the darkness for the ones who will answer the call, for the ones who will shine bright for him. Just like he was searching for Noah, he's still on that same mission today. It just looks different. It just looks different. So my encouragement to you guys, to myself, to all of us, let's be like Noah, just proclaimers of righteousness, pointing people to Jesus because he is coming back. He's coming back. So let's tell as many people as we can. Let's answer that call. They may, they may think you're weird. They may think you're strange. But your love and your care and concern for them has to surpass what they feel about you. Just has to. Okay? So that's Noah. First Peter, Second Peter also mentioned Noah and all that good stuff. Didn't get a chance to get to that. But man, he stepped out there, didn't have all the details. He got what he needed when he needed it. And that was enough for Noah. You're going to get what you need when you need it. And that's got to be enough for you. Hopeless, hopeless, red for the broken, broken.
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We have story after story of the people who followed God through every hardship and trial, but the ultimate hero of our faith is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Jesus knew every temptation, every trial, and every suffering. He chose to lay down his life for our sake. There's nothing that you can face in this world that Jesus can't understand, nothing that he didn't face himself. And that right there is the greatest hope that we have in this life. You're not alone. You belong to Jesus, and he understands every tear. And one day you'll rise again and be with him forever in paradise. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James is teaching through a series called Heroes of the Faith. Each person we study reveals more and more of the Father's glory, his patience, his faithfulness, and his goodness. If you missed one or more of these messages, I encourage you to go back and listen to them again. You can find them at breadforthebroken.com. Once again, that's breadforthebroken.com. And be sure to come back next time as Pastor James continues right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you, babe.